Well, welcome to Joy Church Eugene. Great to have you on this happy Sunday. Anybody get stopped by the marathoners running? I see people running around that I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Haven't you heard of Netflix? You know what I mean? And some, somebody uh, was like, you know, I think it was Colton said on the way in, like, you know, they're, they're exercising and we can't say anything because they're out there being fit. And I'm like, we're on a spiritual mission. We're going to church today. So when you eat that muffin and you watch those runners run by, just know that you're doing the Lord's will. And uh, I think it is, there is a verse in the Bible that says something about bodily exercise only profits a little. I made that my life verse. And, uh, well, so glad to have you. My name's Jake, and uh, we're continuing a five-week series. This is actually the fifth and final message in the series called Significant, A Life That Makes a Difference. And we've been examining five core values that we believe that if you embody these values and put them into play, uh, that you're going to have success as a follower of Jesus. And, and uh, these values are so important. We've talked about worship and relationship, generosity. Last week we talked about serving. And today we're going to talk about the value of mission. Now, we describe this value of mission in this way. We say it's connecting with God's purpose. Say purpose. purpose. Connecting with God's purpose for our lives. And I want to ask you a question this morning to sort of let this sink in. What would the world be missing if you did not discover and do the thing that God designed you to do uniquely. Last week we talked about how everybody's gifted. The Lord has given every single person a gift that they can use to both serve in the church and also as the church in the world. So when you come into a relationship with Jesus, God, and even before that, even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, even if you're, you're just even here today checking this out and seeing what's, what's up with church and this, you know, maybe it's kind of weird for you, whatever, but God's put gifts inside of you and the, that gift is something that you have to offer the world. But for those of us that are Christ followers, God's uniquely gifted you. He's given you purpose and gifting to both uh, serve in the church, but also as the church in the world. So this question of what would the world be missing if you did not discover and do what God designed you to do? I want you to think about Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, what would happen if she had not locked into her purpose to serve the poor in India? We wouldn't know about Mother Teresa, right? What would have happened if Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. hadn't declared his dream for racial equality? What if he hadn't declared uh, the message into our culture that, that people should be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character? What would have happened if Jesus' disciples had determined that they were not going to carry forth the church and, and not going to carry forth the mission of Jesus? And ultimately, what would have happened if Jesus decided that heaven's good enough and I'm not going to go to the earth? What if Jesus had said, I like sitting at the right hand of the Father. It's pretty cozy. It's a nice view from up here, right? Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So he had his feet kicked up, you know, and Jesus said, I'm not going to fulfill my purpose. There's a, an account in scripture where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And this is the night where he's going to be taken and taken prisoner and then crucified. And he's praying and saying, Lord, if you could take this cup from me, Please, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus understood that he had purpose in the world. And what would the world have been like if Jesus had not engaged in his purpose? And so again, I ask you, what would the world be missing if you didn't discover and do what God designed you to do? Now, this whole message about purpose and mission, it really hinges on an understanding that in the Christian perspective, life is not meaningless. And human beings have intrinsic value and worth that God placed inside of each and every one of us, right? Uh, I truly do not believe that we are dancing to the tune of our DNA. I do not believe that we are just 
basically bags of water who sort of came about by random chance and were sort of living out our days. And at the end of it all, you, you just kind of go back into the earth and become worm food. And the, and the love that you gave and, and the life that you shared and the purpose that you, that you tried to pursue in life and the serving and whatever all that was, your, your relationships, I don't believe that it goes back and it just becomes meaningless. And, and that's the Christian perspective on life, that you have worth, therefore you have purpose, that life has meaning. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, there's an account where Jesus calls his first disciples. And I, I love this account. And if you want to get kind of more to the story, you can look in Luke chapter 5. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. So they're fishermen. This is what they do. And Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And it says they left their nets at once and followed him. So Jesus calls these disciples. Luke 5 kind of gives us a little bit more of an insight that Jesus had actually helped them catch a bunch of fish and so on and so forth. But he says, look, you guys understand fishing for fish. I want to show you how to take your purpose, your, what you do for a living, what your life kind of, the point of your life is right now, and take it to a whole nother level. I want to submit to you that most people only connect with a partial purpose for their life. They only connect with partial purpose, but Jesus wants to bring you into full purpose. See, most of us only have one side of the equation. We see that, well, this is what I'm gifted to do. I'm gifted to be an accountant or I'm gifted. Oh man, not me, math. Oh my Lord, help me, Jesus. Please don't ever let me run the math. I'm terrible at math. My wife can attest to this. That's not my life purpose. I'd feel like I was in hell if I had to do math more than, you know, any time. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but all of us have a purpose. Maybe you're gifted to be an accountant, and so you're, you're a numbers cruncher. Or maybe you're gifted to be a football player. Went and saw the spring game yesterday. The Oregon Ducks won. <laughs> Praise the Lord. According to Mike, a Beaver fan, the Ducks lost. So it's, it's all a matter of perspective, right? But we're praying for him to give his life to Christ today. <laughs> and, you know, these guys that are out there, they, they have a this incredible gifting to tackle and throw football and run and you know, so on and so forth. But whatever you sort of do, Jesus finds these fishermen and they're fishermen. That's what they do. And they, it says they fish for a living. They're not doing anything wrong. Most people are not actively pursuing to hurt other people. Most people are not actively pursuing to destroy other people's lives. You're just doing what you do for a living. You're living your life. Jesus comes along and says, you know what? You have partial purpose. You only see one side. Actually, I want to take what you're good at, this concept of you as a fisherman, and take it to a whole nother level, right? I want to take this to a whole nother level. Jesus says, I want to, I want to help you use your gifts to achieve your life purpose, not just to fish for fish, but to fish for people meaning to bring people into relationship with God, to invite people into a way of life with Jesus. Jesus invites us into a life that is not purposeless, but is purposeful. That is full of purpose. And he invites us to join his mission. I love the word mission because it sounds awesome. It kind of, you know, brings me to the mind of like Rambo or something, you know, like I'm on a mission, you know, and it's a cool thing. And I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a series all about mission, but mission is an awesome word. Jesus is inviting us to discover our core purpose, to discover who we are, not just on 
not just temporally, but eternally, how we can connect our gifts and our abilities to what he wants to build in the world. And he wants to give us a life that is purposeful. He invites us to join his mission. This morning, I want to give you two big ideas about purpose. Two big ideas about purpose. Number one, first big idea is this, that God has purpose in you. Say the word in me. In me. me. Those are two words, actually. You can see my math skills on display. But God has purpose in you. God's purpose in you is relationship and identity. God wants to bring us back into the relationship with Him that sin destroyed. And He wants to restore our identity as sons and daughters. Jesus tells a story to show the heart of God. He says there was a father and he had two sons. And these two sons were serving their father, loving their father, and he was wealthy. And one of the sons, the younger son, comes to his father and says, Dad... I've decided that it's time for me to break out on my own and I want the inheritance that is owed to me. Now the culture that Jesus was speaking to is familiar that the dad, when he died, that's when the inheritance, the portion of his livelihood and all that he owned would go to his two sons and the younger son would get a portion and the older son would get a portion. And the younger son said, Dad, even though you're not dead, basically you're dead to me. I want what, what's owed to me. I want my inheritance and I'm going to go and you know, do my own thing. And the father's like, please no. But the son says, yep, I want my money. So the father gives, Jesus says, he gives his son this inheritance. And the son goes out and he goes and he wastes his money on, he goes to Vegas. And unfortunately, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas, right? Uh, Sometimes you bring stuff back from Vegas that you wish you didn't, or you leave something there that you wish you didn't. Just ask O.J. Simpson, right? And and, uh, it was supposed to be funny, but (laughs) you you go to Vegas, you know, the son goes and he, he goes to the city and it says he wastes his inheritance on prodigal, which just means wasteful living. He gets prostitutes and he's buying his buddy's booze and he's ha- living it up and he's on top of the world. He's like Leonardo DiCaprio on the front of the Titanic, you know, with his arms spread wide. That's a terrible movie. But anyways, he's wasting his inheritance and he, and he loses all his money or he wastes all his money and he ends up getting a job feeding pigs. So he goes from the top of the world to the bottom and it, Jesus is telling this story to his listeners and they're all leaning in to find out. And, and he says, you know, this son, he's there and he's feeding the pigs and he has a thought. And it was really the first intelligent, good thought that he had in a very long time. He says, you know what? The servants in my father's house are actually better off than I am. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to beg my father to let me be a servant. And he has this moment of humility and this insight that life at dad's house, even on the lowest rung, is better than what I've achieved on my own and better than where I'm at. And so he determines and he takes the journey and he goes back. And then Jesus says, takes us back to the Father's perspective to show us the heart of God. And here's the Father and he's not sitting there bitter trying to work hard to get the money back that his son took. He says he's there waiting and watching. And it says that he sees his son afar off, meaning that he's not spending his time working on his own thing. Actually, his heart has been with that prodigal, wasteful, even worthless son. The whole time, Jesus says, and here comes the son walking up, and it says the father runs to him, and he throws himself around him, and he hugs him, and he brings him in, and he's yelling to everybody, you know, and his son says, Dad, I just want to be a servant. I just want to be a servant. Isn't that how we approach God sometimes? Oh, God, if I, you know, I've screwed up my life. I've done horrible things. I've been living in sin. I've wasted the gifts you've given me. 
uh, I, and, and the father says, no, son, I have, I have purpose inside of you. I love you. He says, kill the fatted calf. We're having a barbecue. Come on. Again, what time is it? I'm hungry already. Okay. We're having a barbecue. Bring the ring out. It means that's my authority. Your identity is restored to you. Gave him sandals. Gave him clothes. We're not going to do a, a, a half party, half-butted party. We're going to do a full party. We're going to bring it all together. My son was dead, but he's alive. Come on, get excited. Jesus says, this is God's heart for you. Even though you've wasted everything, and the older son's sitting there, and he's going, Dad, you know, you never threw a party for me, and he's kind of the religious person. The father says, no, no, listen, listen, son. Everything I have is yours. I love you. But the heart of God is he would leave 99 sheep to go find one. The heart of God is that he's the father standing there, waiting for us to come, seeing us afar off, wanting to reach out and embrace you and bring you into your rightful identity, right back into relationship with God. I just want to tell you, wherever you are today, all of us are not, all of us sort of play both parts in the story that Jesus told. Sometimes we're that older brother and we're looking at other people going, man, they screwed up their life and they deserve to be punished, right? And other times we're the son feeding pigs or we're the person out spending dad's money. You know what I mean? We've all been there. And uh, Jesus says, no, look, God wants to bring you back into relationship and identity. One of the cool things that God does is it's not just that people hear, well, God loves you. How many have ever heard this? Well, God loves you. God loves me. But we think that sort of means that God has emotional love for us. And that's true. But emotional love sometimes doesn't really turn into concrete things. No, God's love for you is such that he wants to, whatever you've been, wherever you've gone, whatever you've done, he wants to actually restore your identity, your place as a son or a daughter in his house. Isn't that incredible? God has purpose in you. And God's purpose in us, inside of us, is what we were created for. And it's not just that you would become a Christian. Sometimes I think we teach messages as the uh, Christians and we, we teach like, well, you need to become a Christian. You need to, to give your life to Jesus. That's actually not the point of God's purpose in you. God's purpose in you isn't simply that you would become a Christian. It's that you would become like Christ. Meaning that you would be in God's family. Your character and nature and identity would be wrapped up in who Jesus is and the beautiful person that Jesus is And God wants to get us to that place. It says in in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. He said, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely not there, right? The full and complete standard of Christ. I'm definitely not there. I don't feel like I'm even close, but God wants to bring me to this place. Becoming a Christian and beginning to identify God's purpose inside of me, it's not the end of the road when you become a Christian. It's the start of a beautiful journey of becoming like Jesus and learning to to be like Him and connect with your relationship and your identity. This is what God wants to bring us back into. So this is God's purpose in us. Say God's purpose in me. In me. But when we begin to understand God's purpose in us, when you begin to to receive the gospel for yourself, that God does love you, that he wants to restore relationship and identity, it leads us to number two, the second big idea about purpose, which is this, that God has purpose for you. God has purpose in me, but God also has purpose for me. In other words, 
It's not just that I encounter sort of this new identity and this new relationship. That's great, but that's the start of something incredible, which is a journey of following Jesus on his mission to discover God's purpose for me. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. This is speaking of God's purpose in us. Did you know that you're not just one piece of artwork that God did and sort of put in a closet or hung on a wall somewhere? You know, Bethany and I had an opportunity to go on our honeymoon to England and the UK, and it was an amazing trip, and we went into these ma- amazing art museums, and we're walking in, and there's like an 85-year-old dude guarding like a uh, you know, Raphael painting or a, a Da Vinci, and we're like, oh my gosh, like I could steal this. This guy wouldn't even be able to catch me. <laughs> he could be like 10 feet away, and I'd be like, I'm stealing it, you know, this priceless work of art, but we're looking at masterpieces, and I remember we would get stuck in these museums staring at these pieces of, of art that were just mind-blowing, so incredible masterpieces. We are God's masterpiece, God's purpose in you. Maybe today you're feeling like I'm not that great. I don't have that much to offer. That's not true. The Father's looking for you. You're a masterpiece. It says he has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Again, God's purpose in me as a masterpiece. I'm created anew so I can do the good things that God created me to do long ago. And God's purpose for me is to use my unique gifts to bring other people into relationship with God. In other words, to extend that, that love and that grace and that compassion to every other person as if we encounter the, pre- the, the presence of God, as we encounter the goodness of God, we want to share that with all the world around us, right? We, we don't want to be that person that gets a good thing and just has it for ourselves and doesn't share it with, those, with others, right? Yeah. So when we're in Christ and we embrace this identity and this relationship in Jesus, we inherit the mission of Jesus. I taught a message uh, a while ago, I don't remember when it was, about that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a leader. And some people say, no, I don't want to be a leader. I'm not a leader. I'm just a follower. I just want to follow Jesus. Well, the, the unique thing about following Jesus is that when you are in Christ and you're following Jesus is that other people are supposed to be able to follow you. Sort of this two-sided thing that as I follow Christ... Others are supposed to be able to follow me. Jesus in Luke chapter 19 verse verse 10 said, My mission, I came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus is on a search and rescue mission. When he came down to the planet, it wasn't just so he could be like, I'm Jesus, I'm awesome, everybody worship me. No, he came to serve. He came to seek and save those who were lost. His mission is to connect people back into God's purpose in them. Hear what I'm saying? We all love it. Oh, God has a purpose in me. He has a purpose in me. But when you begin to know God's purpose in you, you begin to be restored into relationship and identity and you know who you are and the insecurity begins to be broken off your life and the bondage begins to be broken off your life and you begin to become like Jesus and you begin to know the heart of God, you will intrinsically, immediately, intuitively understand that it's not okay for you to receive all the goodness of God and let other people suffer lost outside of God's purpose in them. God's purpose in me leads me to have a vision just like Jesus of God's purpose for me. And if Jesus has your heart, then you should have His heart. If I've given my life to Christ, what am I taking back in this relationship? Jesus was asked a question in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Somebody says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Make it simple. Let us know what the the top thing is. And Jesus said, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And I'm sure everybody was kind of like, oh yeah, great. Starts walking away and he says, wait, 
well, isn't it just about loving God? Aren't we just supposed to honor God? Isn't that what faith and religion and this whole thing's about? No, he says, wait a second. That's the first and greatest commandment. But a second is equally important. Catch this. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus says, if I'm boiling down what our faith is about, it's about loving God, yes, which we understand, but it's also about loving people. And actually, when you break this down and you, you study this out, and I encourage you to do this for yourself, even looking at some of the original language and what it says, loving your neighbor as yourself, what Jesus is saying actually is that we, we really do number one by how well we do number two. So if I say, well, I love God, I really love God, I'm excited to be a Christian, but my sister can really just, you know what I mean? Jesus says, actually, no, that second commandment links together, love God, love people. Love God, love people. If I love God, I will love people. If I know God, I will search out to seek and save the lost. I will encounter the, the heart of Christ. And this begins to kind of set up I'm, our whole value of mission value of mission that I'm discovering and connecting with God's purpose for my life, His purpose in me, but also His purpose for me. So let's get practical here. How do I live a life of mission? I want to give you a phrase, and I want this to stick in your brain. Hopefully it's catchy and sticky, and it will. How do I live a life of mission? Very simply, you do this. You take the journey, and you take someone with you. You take the journey for you, and you take someone with you. We as Christians should always have one hand following Jesus and the other hand holding on to somebody else to help them follow Jesus. I'm taking the journey. I'm following God. I'm trusting in Him. I'm growing in Christ. But I also have my hand on somebody else. Some prodigal son or some older brother or somebody, but whatever. Somebody I don't even like. I don't care. Whoever it is. But somebody. I'm taking the journey and I'm taking someone with me. Jesus described this kind of faith, this kind of what it picture of what it means to be a disciple in Matthew 4 when he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He says, follow me. It's that hand on me. You're following me, God's purpose in me, but I'm also bringing somebody along. I'm looking and searching out for people. Paul, one of the apostles that was called of God and just wrote like half the New Testament. He's an amazing guy. He said this, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. In another translation, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Remember when you were a kid and your little brother or sister would imitate you and how obnoxious that is? Yeah. I know I am, but what are you know? That... No, you're not. No, you're not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Shut up! Paul says, imitate me. In other words, do what I do. Walk how I walk. Live how I live. Followers of Jesus, when... can you tell somebody to imitate your life? Now, there's more important issues than what I'm going to say, but let me just throw some stuff out there. When I... If I'm sitting there watching a television program, am I, in that moment, can somebody be sitting there imitating me as I'm imitating Christ? Or am I not imitating Christ? Am I living in a way that does not allow somebody to connect to Jesus? Is my life a conduit that leads people to Christ? When I make decisions with my resources, when I make decisions about, am I going to forgive or love someone? When I make decisions about work and family and so on and so forth, can I say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Not from this like religious thing of we have to look a certain way. No. Because you care about people. Because Jesus cares about people. So from the very beginning, Jesus was calling His followers to follow Him and bring others with them. He's calling them to take the journey and take someone with them. So I'm going to break this down. Number one, we want to take that journey of following Jesus yourself. And here's a question I want to give to you. 
to ask yourself, am I authentically following Jesus? Am I authentically following Jesus? Now, you might say, well, I'm at church today. Okay, great. Good. That's a great step, right? It's a great step. You had to like weave your way through the marathoners to get here. You know what I mean? Hopefully nobody ran anybody over. Uh, somebody was going a little slow and just, you know. But ask yourself this question. Am I authentically following Jesus? Caesar Kalinowski, interesting name, isn't it? He said this, one who learns from the master is a student, but one who's wanting to live like the master is a disciple. Am I authentically following Jesus? When I say take the journey, are you on this journey of becoming a follower or being a follower of Jesus? Are you really doing it? Is there actually fruit that's being produced in your life as a result of your walk of faith and following Jesus? One of the reasons I think a lot of people have no interest in experiencing the message of the gospel is that they see those who claim to have connected with the message of the gospel and there is no evidence in their life of any difference. Now, we could turn that and say, so Christians, we need to do a better job. No, 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 I'm not even going to talk about that. That won't give you any life. That won't help you if I just say, you stink, do a better job. It doesn't help, right? It doesn't help. But what happens is, if I'm really asking myself, am I authentically following Jesus? Jesus will reveal to me the steps that I'm supposed to take. And this word disciple is is an amazing term. It's kind of a religious term, like it sounds almost like a cult or something, you know, we want to make disciples, it's kind of scary. But a disciple is not just a student, because a student just gets information. A disciple wants to live like who they're following, right? Let me give you four marks of a disciple. Number one, a disciple is someone, and this is to answer this question about, am I taking the journey? Am I authentically following Jesus? This is going to kind of create a spectrum, and I want you to place yourself and be honest internally. You don't have to... Don't nudge anybody else and tell them where they are. Just let everybody find out where they are internally. But a disciple is someone who, number one, is committed to Christ. They've given their life to Jesus. The trust of their eternal salvation, the trust of their life, and the leadership of their life is on Christ. That's the first mark of a disciple. The second one is that they're committed to Christ's church, which means relationship with other disciples. Jesus did not... Let me tell you something kind of controversial. Did you know that Jesus is not saving individuals. You go, what do you mean? Doesn't, wouldn't he have died for just one? Absolutely. But Jesus is, he, he's, he's building his church. Jesus is saving a group of people that inherit salvation. Christianity was never meant to be something that you do all by yourself with God. Christianity from the very beginning was always take the journey and take someone with you. It was always, I love others as God has loved me. You, you can almost not, I would say it's near impossible to be a Christian by yourself. Now, if you find yourself on a desert island and you're all there by yourself and you have Wilson, right? <laughs> Your volleyball and, you know, he's, he's there with you. At least try to love him. I mean, God will give you grace <laughs> to be all by yourself. But it's near impossible to be a follower of Jesus without anybody else around you because everything that Jesus commands goes and has an impact on other people, okay? And Jesus isn't raising up a bunch of lone rangers to go on mission. He's raising up a church. He says, Peter, uh, I will build upon this rock. I will build my church. Jesus has a a mission to, to reach groups of people. He's bringing us together into community. So if I'm not committed to Christ's church, what I'm saying is, and Jesus, the Bible uses another... Uh, picture of what the church is. It's the bride of Christ, okay? So the group of believers universally around the world, those that have, 
have given their life, committed their life to Christ, if I say, Jesus, I want you, but your wife can basically take a hike, I'm just going to let you know, if somebody doesn't like my wife, you're not my friend, right? You know what I'm saying? If somebody is, is dissing my wife, if they're attacking my wife, you're going to see the gentle shepherd turn into like a transformer, or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I, but you, know, you can't take, you can't have Jake without Bethany, and you can't have Bethany without Jake. How can you have Jesus without his church? John Stott, who's one of the most amazing evangelical leaders of the 20th century, just an incredible, loving shepherd, an amazing pastor, he wrote a book called uh, The Living Church, and the very first line in that book is so cool and just intense. He says, I hope that none of my readers is that abomination that is an unchurched Christian. It's like having a hand that's laying on the floor disconnected from the body. It's like a, a, dis, a severed head sitting on a chair going, hey, I'm glad to be you know, around. <laughs> yucky, that's yucky. So a disciple is someone who's connected in relationship, who's committed to Christ's church. Is the church screwed up sometimes and messed up? Absolutely. But we don't get to say, Jesus, I don't want your bride, right? So a disciple is somebody who's committed to Christ's church. Number three, a disciple is someone who's committed to growing in Christ. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just receiving from Jesus and he's doing something in me and, you know, I'm not really interested in, in growing. No, 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 we don't get to just, growth is not an option. A disciple is growing in Christ. You're taking that journey. Number four, a disciple is someone who's committed to the mission of Christ, which is making disciples. So if you say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but you're not interested in his mission, unfortunately, you're not a, a Christian disciple. You, not saying you don't have salvation. I'm not saying you're not a good person or that God doesn't love you. I'm not saying any of those things. But a disciple is someone who is committed to Christ, who's committed to Christ's church, who's committed to growing in Christ, and who is committed to the mission of Christ. Committed to the mission of Christ. In other words, I lay my life down to see what Jesus died for come to pass in my community. That I, I don't... I don't live my life just sort of ho-hum, ho-hum happy when, when people around me are going to a Christless eternity. That I can't look at my city and say, oh, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry, knowing that people are all around me are, are not, that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, if he were here right now, would still, and he is here right now, represented in us. It, Jesus, whoa, come on, man. Demons out, you know, no, it's the kids' ministry. But Jesus would be on this, Jesus would be amongst people in our city proclaiming God's kingdom. Are we committed to the mission of Christ? Again, are you authentically following Jesus? Can you call yourself a disciple in these categories? Now, here's the good news if you're going like, ooh, because I don't live up to all these all the time, right? Even though I could say, yeah, I agree with them, I'm committed to Christ, I'm committed to the church, I'm committed to growing, and I'm committed to the mission of Christ. But actually, that's not even enough just to be committed. It's about putting it into action. We're going to be uh, kind of announcing some of the strategy for us to really live as disciples as a church. You know, I, I don't want to see Joy Church just be a place that we come together on Sundays and have a good time singing songs and hearing a message, right? I, I want us not just to go to church. We want to be the church. Uh, we want to be the church in the world. And we're going to be letting you know about some of the great things we're, we're going to be doing to walk as disciples, but asking ourselves this question, am I authentically following Jesus? Can I identify as a disciple? And the great news is if you can't, we're going to walk this out together. All of us are going to help each other grow in Christ and become disciples and see our city changed in the process. So I'm taking the journey. Number two, taking someone with me. I want to give you this, this phrase, share your life. 
you know, I think it's intimidating. We hear, oh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to make a disciple. I don't even really know how to do that. It's just about having your hand in God's hand and putting your hand on somebody else and sharing your life with them. Having somebody over for a meal, going out to coffee with somebody, having a conversation when you see somebody and it looks like they're having a bad day. Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I talk to you? Whatever it is, but sharing your life, opening your world up to allow somebody else inside of it. We want to love people and help them take the next step in their journey towards Jesus. And this is an incredible opportunity that we have to lead people into God's purpose in and for their lives. In and for their lives. And as we close this morning, I want to ask again, what would the world have been missing? In light of everything we've talked about this morning, what would the world have really missed out on if Peter and Andrew decided that they just wanted to keep fishing for fish? See, for every one of you sitting here today, you have nets, you have fish that you're catching, and I don't know whatever that represents for you, maybe working, going to school, being a mom, all good things. You're living a life, you're you're doing something. But Jesus is coming to you and saying, do you want me to help take that partial purpose to another level? Do you want me to help connect your abilities, your, your gifts, what I've given you, your relationship and your identity in me? Do you want me to help you take that to another level? What would have happened if these disciples that followed Jesus, they ended up dropping their nets and going with him? What would the world be like if they held on to their nets? You and I wouldn't be sitting here today. There would be no church. There would be no movement of Christianity. It wouldn't exist. People would not have heard the message of Christ. Somebody had to respond to the heart of Jesus to go into full purpose, to connect with God's purpose for their lives. We're only here because they connected with God's purpose for their lives. Here's a question that I think is very poignant. Who's waiting on the other side of your obedience? Who's waiting on the other side of your obedience? So God's calling you to be a giver. God's calling you to open up your life. God's calling you to get connected with other disciples. God's calling you to do whatever it is, the next step for you to connect with his purpose for your life. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't know what that is. But, you, but you're, God's calling you for something and he's asking you to take a step of obedience and there's kind of a closed door and you can't see what's on the other side. But God knows what's on the other side. That every one of you is a powder keg of potential. Think about this. A powder keg of potential. What's waiting? Who's waiting on the other side of your obedience to say, God, I will respond to the purpose that you've placed inside of me. I don't even know what's going to happen, but I want to get along for the ride. When I understand God's purpose in me, I will come to truly know God's purpose for me. I want to reiterate to you that God loves you so dearly. Wherever you are in that story that Jesus told, maybe you're the older brother, you're the younger brother, whatever you are, wherever you are, God loves you dearly. He's waiting afar off, wants to throw his arms around you, wants to give you relation, be in relationship with you, give you, uh, restore your identity. God loves you. And when you know that purpose in you, that God wants to bring us back into relationship and identity, you'll connect with the mission of Jesus. And as you become more like Jesus, you'll begin to have an impact on the world around Jesus has an incredible mission for us to take part in, and it's exciting. It's an incredible thing. People will be changed. Lives will be changed when we respond and we connect with God's purpose for our life. So here's the the action step. Here's the challenge for us this morning. Let's commit ourselves this week to take the journey and take someone with us. We're going to take the journey and take someone with us. And this is going to play out in just a ton of different ways this week might be passing out a flyer, might be inviting somebody over, whatever it is, but we're committing to follow Jesus 
and help other people follow him too.